Joshua chapter 3, if you would. Aren't you glad that your joy is not determined by a football game? Huh? Come on. Yeah, my joy is in the Lord. Amen. I watch football, but it definitely, I'm not going to let it ruin, control my life. Praise God. Amen. There are a lot more important things. Um, I want to just to kind of highlight uh, this morning I was uh, what I felt like some things the Lord wanted us to talk about just as we're going into this new year and uh, some things that we've already shared uh, with you um, about the new year and this what what God spoke to us that was going to happen in this coming year. I mentioned to you before about Second Chronicles 2020. I just did the uh, prophetic word with Dr. Barkley. Um, we did, um, they'll be broadcasting, I think, before the end of this month uh, on his TV broadcast, but we did um, his I Predict and um, had an opportunity to share a little bit of the insights of what the Lord's been saying to us uh, over here in, in, uh, at Amazing Grace. And one of the things that he and I talk about a lot is, is that we're established by the Word of God. Your, your success this year will be determined by how you give yourself to God's Word. It really will be. How you deter, your, your success. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Are you all here? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not by hearing prophetic words. It comes by hearing the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God in our lives and we build our faith, what ends up happening is we go from just having a generic faith to what I'm going to call relentless faith. Relentless faith is faith that just doesn't give up. It absolutely does not give up. I just read this study. This doesn't have anything to do with my message today, but I was reading this uh, study, and it was a, about a woman that um, they did this investigation, and she wrote, did a TED Talk. Everybody familiar with TED Talks? And she did this uh, thing about TED Talks and talked about um, how that, what they found in their investigation of what causes people to be successful in life. And it wasn't how much wealth they started with. It wasn't how tall they were. It wasn't what race they were. It wasn't any of those things. It wasn't whether they were male or female. It wasn't um, what family that they came from. Uh, it wasn't how athletic that they were. Uh, it wasn't any of those things. They went to the um, they went to the academy, West Point. They looked at, at the students that were there to determine what students would actually finish at West Point. They went to the schools and they tracked kids through their high school years to find out what kids actually went on to be successful in life. Now, it's it's kind of shocking. Most of us would think, well, the valedictorian would be the most successful, but it actually is a proven fact that valedictorians and salutatorians not, are not always the most successful out of those classes, meaning that they, they, they don't have fulfillment, they haven't found their purpose, uh, they, they struggle in college just as much as anybody else would struggle or in their careers. The number one thing that they found that causes people to be successful, hands down over all the studies, uh, is grit. Grit. That was the number one thing. It's people that refuse to give up, no matter what. Grit. You know, that's if you watch, been watching the Lions this year, that was his thing that he started with. What's the coach? Campbell, is that his name? 
Yeah, Campbell said at the beginning in the season, he said, we're going to create grit in this team. They have no grit. They give up too easy. They don't, now you see a team that, you know, hopefully they don't let us down today. But, you know, uh, like some teams did yesterday. But, you know, the, 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 the grit is that ability that hard things are going to happen to everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, I bet you've had some hard things in your life. You've had some hard things. We all deal with grief. We all deal with grief. We all deal with loss. We all deal with ups and downs of life. But here's the thing that is the determining factor of whether you will make it or not, and that's grit. Grit for the believer comes through relentless faith that's saying, I will not quit no matter what's going on. I will not, Jeannie said it in the offering, I'm not stopping tithing just because the economy's being weird right now. The economy is subject to change, but the word of the Lord is not subject to change. You missed a good place to say amen. See, no matter what's going on around us and what's happening in our world, that's trying to become the influencer of what you believe. And what we have to determine in ourselves is that we're going to believe what God has said in his word, and that's where our focus is. So I'll tell you right up front, whether you'll make it through this year or not is going to be determined of, of how you give yourself to the word, the word of the Lord. Because that's how you're established. If you read your Bible right, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it tells you that anything that can be shaken is going to get shaken. The only thing that doesn't get shaken is God's Word and those who are attached to God's Word. The, the man that built his house on the sand and the man that built his house on the rock faced the exact same storm. The storms were no different. They were both bad. Everybody say bad. Bad. They were both bad, but how did the man on the rock make it through? He made it through the storm because he built his house on doing what God had said instead of just hearing what God had said. That's good preaching, Pastor. So you're established through the Word. Now, prophecy plays an extremely important part in our lives because prophecy, it tells us that if we believe the prophets, we'll prosper. The word prosper means not just to have more money in our pocket, it means to make it to the end. It make, it, it's an encouragement that we're going to get down this path, we're going to get where we need to go. I'm not guided, you and I are not guided by prophecy, we're guided by the Spirit who uses prophecy. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, you've got to war a warfare according to the prophecies. I'm giving you a strategy. That's what prophetic words do, is they present strategies to us that are established in the Word of God. They show us this is the direction that things are going to go. If we have a buy-in to it and we get in agreement with it, we're going to prosper, and which means we're going to get to the end of the road here. We're going to make it, okay? I want to make it through this year. The Lord spoke to me back in September and said in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verse 5, he said, tell the people to sanctify themselves, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. The Lord is going to do wonders among you. And I've shared with you so often that phrase, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Your preparation 
is manifested in your expectation. Your preparation is manifested in your expectation. Your preparation is motivated by your expectation. Okay? Is motivated by your expectation. And your preparation reveals your expectation. How you prepare for something reveals your expectation. Okay? How you prepare. God's telling us to get ready and prepare. And what are we doing? We're preparing ourselves for what He's going to do in our lives. And look, He's able, according to Ephesians 3.20, do exceeding abundantly above everything that we could even ask or think. Even ask or think. You know, I was like, I was just amazed by this. So, you know, Christmas Eve, man, it was horrible out. How many of you agree it was horrible? It was absolutely horrible. So, I mean, I was just like, we're going to go to church on, I actually was thinking, man, we should probably just cancel the service. I had a huge drifts in my driveway. The roads looked cruddy. You know, I'm trying to figure out, and then I start hearing, you know, folks that are coming and thinking, okay, well, we'll, we'll have it. I'll just put my four-wheel drive on and get to the service, right? So, so uh, I come in. I told Sharon, said, how many of you think will be there tonight? I said, man, I, I, if there's 30, I'll be happy. We'll just all light a candle, sing a song, and go home and uh, worship the king. Hallelujah, right? And so, man, I, I'm just coming in, and I mean it. And, and my, so my, I prepared, though, I, as I always do, I had a message from God. I had I, my, expect, my preparation was higher than my expectation. And we came into the service that night, and Jim had sent me a text after. He said there was 180 people in that service. Uh-huh, yeah. My grit got a little better, huh? But, you know, I'm thinking... Nobody's going to come. And here's the really cool thing. Half of the crowd were people that don't go to church here. Can you believe it? That's just amazing, isn't it? So my, my point with that is God can exceed your preparation even if you will prepare. He'll do incredible things because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything you could even ask or think. So even though you may have an expectation, how about if God exceeds that expectation in your life this year? The requirement is that you have to get yourself ready. You have to prepare yourself for what God's going to do. I like the way the Amplified says this. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, that is, separate yourselves for a holy purpose. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua told the people in the contemporary English version, make yourselves acceptable to worship the Lord because he's going to do some amazing things for us. Make yourselves acceptable to worship. Now, some insights just on top of all of that, because I've shared a lot of that with you and will continue to with throughout the year. Uh, in my prayer time and just seeking the Lord about this coming year, one of the things that just kept coming back up to me in my spirit was this battle that we're dealing with, with consecrating ourselves of getting ourselves prepared, of, of holiness, of holiness being in our lives. And holiness gets a bad rap in the church because what happens with holiness, you know, especially those of us who grew up in what are called holiness churches, is, is that we just know a list of things we're not allowed to do, right? It's just all this stuff. Never really talked about all the things you get to do because you're not doing those things. It's more talked about all the things that you are not allowed to do. 
You know, my wife grew up in a church. You weren't allowed to read the comics on Sunday morning. You weren't allowed to go to a movie theater. I mean, there was a long list of things of you can't do that. And they had a book that they gave to the members and told you, you don't do any of these things. You can't do any of this. Um, some of you that are Rama grads, you know they told you you couldn't dance. You're not allowed to dance. You're not allowed to dance at a dance. Um, you know that that's carnal and it's evil and you don't do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's things like that that, the, that holiness gets. That's the rap that holiness gets. But consecration and holiness are extremely important. You know, like, here's a couple of verses just to think about. God said, be holy because I'm holy. Be holy because I'm holy. So what does all that mean in that consecration, in that, that sanctification process that we talked about? Well, one, John 17, 17 tells us that Jesus spoke and said, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is the truth. So use your word, Lord God, to bring people to sanctify them. Now, the believer is sanctified because you couldn't have the Holy Spirit without being sanctified. But there are levels of sanctification processes that we go through in our lives where we are giving up things because we see there is something, we understand there is something better that God has for us. Something better God has for us. In the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul begins to talk with Timothy, you know, and that's his last kind of his epitaph that he's giving to him, just some ideas before he knew his time was coming to an end. And uh, he said this, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I, I, wanted, I want you to get a hold of this. He said, look, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. You should know this. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be po boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. And we talked a little bit about that a couple weeks ago, about being ungrateful, how, when we talked about during the Thanksgiving holiday. But the next one in the King James and New King James it uses, in most translations it has, and they will be unholy, unholy. They will be unholy. That a sign of the end times, will, they will be unholy. Now, now listen now, stay with me. In the New Living Translation, the way that they define this idea of unholy is they will consider nothing sacred. They will consider nothing sacred. Now let's walk through that just for a minute. In our world today, there is nothing sacred. Okay? Let's be honest about it. There, a baby in a womb is not considered sacred anymore. I mean, by mo most of our population... Now, you and I, we, it's sacred, okay? But, but I'm talking about in generality, in our nation, that is not considered a sacred thing. A baby is not considered something sacred in the womb. A baby that's born, in many cases, is not even considered sacred. Marriage is not sacred in our world today. It is not considered sacred. I mean, we deal with couples and... and, and I mean, we deal with all kinds of situations, but people that love God, and they're living together. They're not married. They haven't gotten married yet. Now, we still talk with them about that this is God's plan, but it's hard because you live in a world that's saying, what's the big deal? 
Why get married? I mean, what's the point? You know, why have a ceremony? People will say, well, I don't need a ceremony to tell me I'm married. Yes, you do. Because it's sacred. And we live in a world where nothing is sacred. Now, one of the things that's happening, and maybe you've read about some of this, is in Canada right now, they are actually creating, working on a law there that will now provide for people to do euthanasia. To terminate life early. Assisted suicide, basically. Which is illegal here now, but you could pretty much guarantee the, he- the, heading, the way that the United States is heading, that it, they'll follow the way of what Canada is doing, because they think Canada's hung the moon for whatever reason. And that their government's the best, and they're baloney. They're basically almost a socialist country now. I mean, Canada is. Nothing against the Canadians. There's good, godly people there. But, I mean, they're, they're heading towards a very, they're in a very socialist economy, which is just going to ruin them. I mean, it's all set up for the Antichrist. So, but, but here's the thing. The way that this is weaving its way into our world is, is that we're be, not saying, well, we're just going to euthanize grandma because grandma's not doing so well. And here's how we define it. Her quality of life is not good. Look, listen to me. Life is life. It's not about quality. It's about a living being with the breath of God in their life. And when we start playing with semantics here, all that is is a setup for you and I to go a different direction. So we start, well, you know, I mean, okay, so let's, let's just for a minute play with that idea. What happens when we start saying quality of life? Okay, so, well... I have aches and pains when I get up in the morning and it takes me about four hours before I feel good. That's not a very good quality of life. Oh, well, let's put you down. I deal with migraines, man. I'm telling you, they're driving me crazy. I have terrible migraines. Well, we, we, just, we need to just put you out. That's it. We'll, we'll stop your pain. You, it'll all end. You'll have a better... But see, that's, that is what... That is, that is what your adversary is setting our nation up for. Is setting our nation up for. It's already happening. You'll, you'll hear about it this year in the law system of Canada, that they're passing all of this and saying, yeah, you know, we just don't feel people uh, should suffer. So then you've got to decide, well, what determines suffering and who's suffering and how are people suffering? Yeah, and who's the one deciding? And it's going to be the courts. It'll inevitably end up in the court system all the time with deciding whether people, yep, let's terminate them and, uh, and end it. Now listen, uh, that's a bad deal because it's not considered sacred. Your life is sacred. It is a gift from God. There are paraplegics that are living great lives doing everything that they can. I shared with you a couple of months ago about the guy that I talked to who was going hunting, and he's a paraplegic. And I'm like, how in the world did he do that? And I mean, but he can do it. He's figured out a way to do it because he has, in his belief, in his idea, he is not giving up. He's got grit in his life. Man, if any time God's people got to get some grit back in their lives. And we got to start raising our kids to have grit. To not quit every time things get bad or they didn't make the team or they didn't get a good grade or they 
couldn't do something. Man, then we put grit into them. We tell them, well, look, you're going to have to tough it out. And it's not, it's not okay that it happened, but you can you got to get better then. Amen. You know, my wife and I were talking the other day, and, and, and I said, you know, retrospectively, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life is I got cut from basketball in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Many of you know Michael Jordan was cut in 10th grade. Didn't even make the team. What ends up happening when you don't get what you want? You start working harder to get what you want. You start really, I mean, if you got the right people around you and you, you got the right mentality, then you start going, I'm not settling for this. I'm going to work to get through this. But see, in our world, nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. Right now, I mean, seriously. And if you think the church is the sacred place, they're already trying to devise laws that they take the nonprofit status away from us because I won't do gay marriages. I promise you. And it, look, if you're worried about your tax exemption and your giving, you better find a different church to go to because I am not going to change what I believe so that you can get a tax break. Giving is not about tax breaks. Giving is about obedience and doing what the Word says. Man, this is good preaching for the first of the year. We got all, look, see how that takes, your tithe and offering is a sacred thing. It is a sacred thing before God because God recognizes, when we bring it, that's why it's such a, a tragedy that people just disrespect their own giving because they're like, well, I got to do it because that's what the Word says to do. Or, oh, you know, it's offering time. There goes that pastor just trying to get more money. And all, look, all we're doing in ourselves is we're just cutting ourselves off from the blessing that goes with, the, with our with what could be in our lives because of giving. Wow. They will consider nothing sacred. Sacred. Nothing sacred. Life will not be sacred. Church will not be sacred. Marriage will not be sacred. Now, I'm not talking about you, but I will tell you this. If you don't watch out, what they believe is what you'll start believing. Because that's what you're around. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. So no matter what happens is you're always going to be, you know, rowing up against the, uh, going against the stream. I love that, you know, if you've ever seen the opening to The Chosen. Anybody watch The Chosen? I'm there in their new season right now. And uh, it's free. And it's awesome. I mean, they take a little bit of artistic license and some stuff. But, but uh, if you know the word, then... You're like, well, I already know that didn't happen that way. But, but uh, why I love the opening is they show all these fish moving in one direction, and then all of a sudden there's fish moving the other direction while the other ones are still moving. The ones that are moving the opposite direction than the other fish, that's you and me. We're not moving with all the other fish. We live by different principle and different. But here's, look, so as we do that, then we realize that what God is saying to us is if we will get ourselves ready, if we'll get ourselves ready, then what he will do is he'll do all the things that he, wants, he said he would do in our lives. It's just about us getting ourselves into a place of preparation, a, a place of being ready. And I've really had to go back, and even in my own heart, and that's I still believe in doing this, of just doing self-examination of your heart. God, where is my heart today? 
about, you know, about your kingdom, about your work, about everything that's out there. And uh, God, help me. Because it's just too easy, it really is too easy to begin to pull the wrong ideals. I, I give you a for instance with this. Israel, and uh, Jeannie, thank you for sending that video to me. Um, Israel struggled with, with understanding whether they worshipped Yahweh or they worshipped Baal, okay? Yahweh being the God that we worship, Baal being a pagan evil God. Now, Baal still, the spirit of Baal still exists, and it is a problem. It is a major problem. B is B-A-A-L. Baal in the Hebrew language means Lord. It means to be Lord over. And the Israelites, they struggled with Baal. Remember, do you remember when Elisha um, was confronted with the prophets of Baal up on the mountain? He told them to build a fire and, or build a sacrifice and get everything ready and that their God, Baal, would send the fire down from heaven and light it or, or he would build one and Yahweh, his God, the God we worship, would send fire from heaven and whoever's God answered by fire that would be the God that they would serve. Well, nothing happened to the prophets of Baal. But Israel struggled. When they came, look, God delivered them out of Egypt. I mean, powerfully. Who do they worship in the wilderness? They're supposed to worship Yahweh. They end up worshiping Baal. Because, it can, because, there, because of the similarities of what Baal tries to represent to the believers of that time. So here's how... Here's how Here's how this operates. Baal, the way that you worship Baal is you sacrifice and Baal responds. What's contradictory is is that Yahweh, or who we serve, he sacrificed and now we respond. Now, you're going to have to decide which God you're serving today. Because if you think your sacrifice is what causes God to respond to you, then you have missed your, it's kind of like the idea we talk about that, look, we don't come to God to get love, we come to God from a place of love. He already loves us. We don't have to get him to love us. We don't have to talk him into loving us. We don't have to tell him how worthless and goofy we are so that he'll say, yeah, I I really feel bad for you. Okay, I love you because you've you know, got all these things wrong with you. No, we come to God from a place of love because we know that through Christ, he loves us and laid down his life for us. Baal, right now, you know, you're gonna hate, you'd probably be angry at me about this, but Baal is the predominant spirit over the church right now. Now, not over this church, but it is the predominant spirit that is over the church. And what it's doing is, is, is that it's confusing people because what ends up happening eventually is people go, well, you know what? I'm not going to keep making all these sacrifices to get stuff, so I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need that. And what ends up happening is they end up denying God. They end up denying God. You know, the Israelites didn't think they were doing something wrong. That's the whole, that's the whole rub. They did not think that what they did in the will, when they, you know, Aaron, he, you know, he said, well, I just, you know, they threw in their jewelry and a calf jumped up out of the, you know, out of the, the pot. I mean, he knew that something wasn't right, 
But the people just thought they were worshiping God. You know, we came out here in the wilderness to worship God. Moses hasn't come back down, so let's start a party. Let's have fun. Let's just all get around. And so what ends up happening is they think if we make, if I give this up, okay, this is the wrong spirit. If I give this up, then God will do something for me. God says, no, I gave up everything so that you could have everything. And so what happens is now, instead of you and I just giving up so we can get God to do something, we are giving up things in response to what God has done for us. Do you, do you see the difference? It, that's, you say, well, Pastor, man, that, man, that sounds pretty close. Yeah, that's what... You think the devil's just going to come out right with some crazy thing? He's going to come in in a smooth way and deceive the believer into following this whole idea and pulling people away from the things that God wants to do in our life. You don't have to earn God's favor in your life. God already gives you his favor. Now, what you can do in your life is you can walk outside of his favor even though it's available to you even though it's available to you. Grace is the free gift. There's, look, you and I, there's nothing we can do, nothing to earn God's grace. There is nothing we can do. It's free. It's his free, amazing gift to you and I. As Duck has said so many times, it's, it's that ability that God gives us to do what the will, will of God is for our life. It's God's grace. See, when we... When we start thinking somehow that I've got to do all of this, that's where holiness began to make its mistake, is it started saying, well, you know, if you start doing all these things, then God will more be in your life. That's not true. What happens is in your life, when you get more of God in your life, you give up more things because you want more of God and less of this. A great song that goes with this is, is that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace go see the new movie that's out because i've really wanted to see that movie or experience the presence of the lord in a greater magnitude in my life gee i don't know what would be more important well to many believers it would be i'm going to the movie because i can just get to god later on in my life but see that's the trap because then it later on becomes later on becomes later on becomes later on and becomes later on becomes later on What's sacred in your life right now? No, I mean, you, this is just a question. I'm about done, so take a breath. What's sacred right now? What's sacred in your life? I mean, what do you look at and go, yeah, that's really, that's really sacred. My covenant, my covenant that I have with God is, is really sacred. You know, we used to talk about in the church that, that, um, that this was sacred. Communion was sacred. Um, we talked about baptism was sacred. It is. It is. It's a. It, it's a sacred thing. They call. They call. They called this the sacraments. Anybody remember that? Which means sacred. These are sacred things. Not because this is Jesus' body and because it's His blood, but because we're remembering His sacrifice as we take of this bread and this cup. So it's not it, about that. This is what paved the way for us to have any kind of glimpse of hope in a future is right here what happened in his body and his blood. Marriage was considered sacred. Do we consider our marriages sacred? 
You know, if you're messing around with pornography, you're not keeping your marriage sacred. On any level now I'm talking about. And if you're not married and you're messing around in pornography, you're taking away from your future. Because it's a thief. It's, a, it's, it's, it's so much a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I won't get into all of this today. Maybe, I don't know when I will, but, you know, with with that idea about Baal, if you look at the scriptures, Baal, because of the way that it all began to, the way that it was constructed, it all became about sexual perversion. It actually did. It did. And look, we live in a sexually perverse. You got to know people. I mean, some of you work in places, you got to know people's pronouns. They have them on their name tags, right? And they could be a guy, but they say, I go by her. They, yeah, they, them, and whatever and and i don't even pay any look i'm a violator i guess i i'm just like no you you know you're a girl you're but i choose to be something see it's not sacred even your gender isn't sacred anymore perversion that enters in that veil spirit that has worked and it's gotten on the and there are churches and i'll tell you what it's killing them Churches are closing down, losing their buildings because nobody will go to them because they have given in to the sexual agreement of gay pride and all this other craziness, and it's actually killed their congregation. One, the older people aren't buying into it, and they're the ones with the money, so they're out. Right? And then you got a group of people that are like, well, we, you know, we agree. But then they're not committed to that. That's what Baal, that spirit of Baal does. And it's unfortunate, unfortunate. You'll see this year, uh, we think it was bad because of COVID, but I think prophetically I'll tell you that this year you'll see more churches up for sale than you have in a long time. Because they just can't, they can't sustain it. They, they just can't sustain, and it's that spirit. It's python, it's strangling it, and they don't even know they're being strangled by these false doctrines, these ideas. That's what Baal does. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how we miss this because we think, well, that's the Israelites. They dealt with that spirit of Baal. We wouldn't really have, that wouldn't be a big deal for us. And, and uh, Dutch Dietz, any of you familiar with Dutch Dietz? So Dutch just came out and talked about how the spirit of the Lord revealed to him that the way that Baal will be defeated in the church is through communion. And the reason is, because if we put this at its sacred value, okay, if we put this at its sacred value, it totally defeats the spirit of Baal. Because this is not about what you did, this is about what he did. There's no way to cut that. Baal has nothing like this, nothing, okay? The spirit of Baal, nothing like, so when you and I, when we come to the table and we take that bread and we say, Lord, you bore the stripes that I deserved, you, oh, Lord, you took the punishment that I should have had in my life. Your body was beaten for me. This blood that I'm drink, this cup that I'm drinking, that's your blood, not my blood. This is your blood represents to me the sacrifice. And what does it do? It totally defeats that spirit of Baal that tries to get into our lives. See, we would have thought, and I would have thought Dutch, because he's such a powerful intercessor, said, I would have thought he would have said, through intercession, we'll beat this spirit of Baal. But the truth is, by putting communion back where it belongs as the value of what it is, 
as a sacred thing that God has given to us. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And uh, I want this morning, as we receive communion, that uh, our attitude would be as we come to take the bread and the cup that we're coming to the table of Christ. And like I said, this is not Jesus' body. This is not his blood. And uh, it's not even the right color. So, But to us, it represents everything that he did for us. That, it's, that he calls us to his table. That he sits at the head of. And we are his disciples. And he is our Lord and Master, and we are grateful for the sacrifice that he has made for us. As you start into this new year, and, and, and as we go forward, we get ourselves ready for what God is about to do. Part of that is, let's reestablish in our own lives. Look, we can't, we, we can't change the world until we change ourselves first. Let's establish in our own heart that I am going to live my life with sacred values that I hold in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pray this prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Keep going. You can come forward and take the elements back to your seat.
remember how you took the bread and you broke it. And Lord, at that meal you said, this is my body that is broken for you. Lord, that you would even sit down to take that meal knowing what was ahead for you shows what great love you have for your disciples. Lord, as we take this bread in our hand, we recognize that it's not your flesh, but that it represents everything that your flesh has provided for us. We declare today, according to your word, that you bore our stripes, and because of that, you bore our sicknesses, according to Matthew 8, 17, and you took away our diseases. Lord God, that you took the disease and sickness of this world, Lord God, and that exists in this world, including COVID, including RSV, including all the viruses that are out there, you bore them in your flesh, bearing your skin, being opened up to all of the elements of this world, Lord God. And Lord, you said, I did that for you. We take and eat in remembrance of what you have done for us. Lord, likewise, you took the cup and gave it to your disciples and you said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is shed for you for the remission, the removal of sin. As often you said, Lord, as you drink from this cup, we're to do it in remembrance of you. So this morning, Lord God, we take this cup in our hand recognizing the sacrifice that you made, your shed blood for us. We declare today that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. That there is, Lord, in our mind from this day forward, there is no defeat in heaven, there is no defeat in our lives either because we live by the principles and the power of what your word says. May our faith, Lord God, become more relentless in 2023 than it ever has before. We take and drink in remembrance of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we are ready for what you want. I hear, Lord, uh, the voice of heaven as spoken in Isaiah chapter 6. Who will go and who can I send? Lord, may our response be, send me, God. Send me to my family. Send me to my neighbor. Send me to my community. Send me to my village, my city, send me to my state, send me to my world, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, and all those agreed said, amen. Charlie, did you have something? Did you get anything out of that this morning? All right, guys, praise the Lord.